just surviving and believing the right things, but a faith that kind of moves us, that impresses upon us about uh, what God may be attempting to do in our lives and through our lives and how that influences uh, the world around us. Joshua chapter 8. Um, this morning we want to uh, build upon the last couple weeks we've been talking particularly about that concept of faith, that concept of believing in our minds, believing in our hearts in a way that uh, causes us to kind of stretch out and invite God's hand and favor upon our lives. This morning we want to look not only at, uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, about the idea of stepping out of the boat. Peter had recognized that if it's you, Lord, command me to step out and walk upon that water. We realize that that's a, a kind of faith that's beyond the, the, the kind of rational thinking. It's kind of a faith that launches out and trusts that the direction that God may be leading may take us in places that is, is clearly impossible to go unless he undergirds us and unless he carries us uh, through those midst. That kind of faith is one that sometimes we need to be uh, stretched greatly in that particular way because we're familiar with a faith that had worked yesterday and we'd like to know it's going to work tomorrow and it's pretty much a kind of faith that you can foresee and you can understand and you can walk in a way that is safe. Um, but this kind of faith that launches out is one that takes us beyond uh, those particular borders. And we talked uh, after that about a very practical kind of faith which comes out of the, the book of James. And it's a kind of faith that is predictable, it's practical, it's programmable, and that's uh, times that uh, we need to learn how to build our faith upon the clear, direct commands that are laid out in, in God's Word. This morning we want to look at a faith that will pick us up after we've been knocked down. Joshua chapter 8, and I want to begin as we look at verse 1. The Lord Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Let's pray. Lord, as we journey through our lives, we realize that our faith is not always uh, clearly laid out before us in a way that we could read it out of a book, we could memorize a few lines, and begin to exercise that kind of faith in a way that uh, could be clearly and easily explained to others. We pray, God, as you journey on and you lead us, we pray that we would learn to be sensitive to your leading and we might recognize that as we continue to grow and as you take us in directions that may not be so familiar to us, we pray that you would give us assurance and teach us all through the journey in life. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God had promised to uh, give his people a land known as the land that's overflowing with milk and honey. And those of you familiar with that Old Testament concept, you realize that pretty much the essence of faith was a faith that believes that the direction God is going and the land that he is blessing them with is going to be 
uh, encountered through conflict and God's favorable victory upon uh, our uh, lives. God's purpose was to bless his people, to give them a land of their own, to give them an abundance of, uh, within that blessing and a security and peace. They were to form their own identity as the people of God and the people of Israel. And uh, that God would be honored by their willingness to take a stand for what God wanted them to do. It's a mystery as we think in terms of looking at the Old Testament as to how all this conflict and all this opposition could be God's plan and God's purpose. Um, And yet we come in an aspect of faith believing that this is God's plan for his people at the time and this is the direction he is to lead them. And so faith was pretty much wrapped up in the concept of a a kind of a victory march, a kind of a bold approach to go and believe uh, against the odds that God was going to be their success, he was going to be their victory. Everything started out so well as the people of God moved into that land and they possessed the city of Jericho. And therefore, faith and confidence, particularly as the people of God, was a strong kind of victory. And that victory, pretty much after Jericho, was assumed that it would be the same as the last battle. Well, we get to uh, Ai, and we, we are familiar with, if you're familiar with the, the, uh, the scriptures in Joshua chapter 7, that because of Achan's sin, everything turned into a nightmare. And because of God's intervention, and the, he allowed the defeat at Ai, it brought the people to a place of wondering, what is going on, and why did we not succeed? There's a lot of things that you and I can learn about faith, and principles that you and I can apply to our life, And pretty much the concept of faith we would, in in some sense, early in our Christian life, is is about trusting in the victories that God will often bring into our life and the ways that he will work out the details. And so faith is often equated with success and blessings and a continued growth of things going quite well. What you and I uh, experience in life is that at some point, Things don't always go as well as we might anticipate. Things don't always happen the way we would foresee. And sometimes we know why, and many times we have no clue why they don't go this way. So when we read in Joshua chapter 8, we realize that God is speaking to Joshua. And it says chapter 7 not only has happened, but it's over. And now chapter 8 is a time to begin again. Um, Many of us uh, probably have gone through seasons in our life that your faith has pretty much grown on a steady basis. It's grown to be more confident in God. You and I have plenty of stories to tell, plenty of testimonies to share about the goodness of God that has just come and landed upon our lives. We could share story after story, incident after incident, about how God has brought us through some very tough and challenging times And here we are today with success story upon success story. And yet in between many of those success stories, there's some stories that it didn't go so well. 
Maybe you haven't experienced any tragedies, you haven't had any hardships in life. As you and I keep journeying on, no doubt there will be those surprises of life. But what's important is how you and I learn how to continue to grow, how you and I learn to rise again after those times of disappointments, those setbacks. And so this morning we want to look at a face that is learning how to get out of the hole of discouragement and despair because you and I may have found ourselves or maybe we're presently in a situation in which we find that our faith is trying to not simply go in victory, it's simply trying to say, how do I get out of this hole? How do I get out of this stuck position in life that has seemingly brought me to a place and I can't seem to know how to move ahead because I can't get out of this particular hole. <clears throat> My desire this morning is, is to focus upon some things that I believe can be beneficial through this experience of Joshua, and particularly in chapter 7, that can rebuild that kind of faith that uh, we trust can move ahead. Because it's one thing to build faith upon a past victory, it's another to build faith when we simply can uh, realize that this, this past tragedy has kind of paralyzed us. Maybe we're stuck. We've gone through losses, we've gone through setbacks, we've gone through disappointments. We somehow seem to be stuck. How do we build faith when it seems as if we're stuck? Joshua chapter 7. Let's go back to verses 6 through 9 and let me read them again. This is after uh, the defeat there at the city of Ai. Uh, Joshua, he is the leader. He tore his clothes. He fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord and remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same. They sprinkled dust on their heads and Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country? They will hear about this. They will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Some of us may have not necessarily prayed that prayer word for word, but no doubt we've had the groaning in our hearts, whether it's been in a prayer or a complaint to God, that we're wondering somehow what has happened to the goodness, the favor, the blessings of God, particularly in those moments, those seasons, those hours of great distress. And we might agonize over that for a period of time, short or long or whatever it might be. But there's something about the way that we can see uh, uh, God's call on Joshua and the people again that we might be able to learn and maybe personally apply to some of our own experiences in life. The first thing that uh, we need to look at when we think about these things is uh, several lessons or some secrets that maybe could enable us to have the courage to climb out of the hole and rebuild that faith that we once seemingly had so much in the beginning. In verse 7, let me read that again of chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. 
Joshua says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and destroy us? If only we had been content. We sometimes find when circumstances do not go so well as we tend to say why, and that's the question that uh, almost is natural, it's an instinctive to begin to wonder, uh, especially if we've been trying to live faithfully for God, we've been trying to believe for God to use us in, in ways, and, and we move along seemingly like things are working well, and God opens up doors he gives us unique opportunities, we're, we're sharing our faith, we're growing, we're excited about it, and then all of a sudden things don't turn out so well. Some of the people you try to share with, they begin to ignore you, they tend to say things about you. Life just somehow has these interesting, unique turns, and immediately we might wonder the why, but a lot of times that why gets translated into how could you, have let this happen to me, God. And that's where it takes a change, it takes a different twist, is when just simply the concept that it's supposed to go well, we assume it's going to go well, and in their case, I mean, at the size of the victory at Jericho, you pretty well assume this battle stuff is going to be a lot of fun. And those of you that are well-versed in the Scriptures know a lot more particularly about that, especially if you've had seasons in your own life where you have uh, been really blessed by God in ministering to other people, and then all of a sudden, it stops, it dries up, it changes. How can things not necessarily continue on the way they go? Well, one thing that will put you in a discouragement hole is when you and I wonder whether God knows we're even in the hole. Whether or not God really is aware that we're going through the challenging, the, the dry spiritual seasons. We wonder what happened to the energy, the, the real zeal to live for God. And we get wondering if God is aware of that. I think the, the thing that begins to enable us to climb out of the hole is to recognize that problems are not equal with God's disappointment. And that's important to try to understand because if we assume that the victory that God has given yesterday is the new norm, is the new pattern in which he does. Now, granted, what we want to clarify is that God's favor upon our life brings many blessings. It brings a lot of his unique favor and opportunities laid upon our lives. But to simply assume that we are invincible or somehow that we have sort of gained our status with God and therefore everything is supposed to always work out the way it is, that can bring a lot of discouragement, particularly when the next battle doesn't turn out so well. Now we know in this particular case it was all Achan's fault. And that's uh, another type of challenge that you and I face is we tend to believe that if somebody else is the problem, then God's supposed to bless me, and he's supposed to deal with the problem. But God's system of the way he, he allows his people to experience the favor is we're in this in a team sport. We're in this uh, uh, ministry together, 
And so that when one person seemingly is strong and confident in God and others are wrestling and dealing with personal matters, it affects every single one of us. We're in this together and we need to realize that that is a a new kind of approach in looking at things. Uh, I think some of us, when we're having a great week, we like the idea that it's just between us and God. And the weeks that are not so bad and maybe we're part of the problem, we'd like to believe God just kind of help hug us and love us all together. But it's important to know that one key way you'll end up in a hole of discouragement is when you and I fail to see that God loves us even when we're down in that hole. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15. We'll just bounce back and and grab a few other scriptures that I believe could be uh, supplemental to this thought process. As as God is uh, leading his people out of Egypt, we're going back in history a little bit, and he marched them triumphantly through the great Red Sea. And you could imagine the the feeling of of assurance and confidence because there as you walk through the Red Sea, you're walking on dry land with walls of water that I have no idea how high they are on each side. And uh, as VeggieTales has it, the fish heads you can see sticking out of the water and everything else, and they paint up the drama. But anyway, they get to the other side of the Red Sea And they have walked through with a great victory. And then God deals with the Egyptians as soon as they get to the other side. You would think faith is a piece of cake from this point on. Well, we get to chapter 15. And Miriam has led the people in dancing and triumphant tambourine playing. They had a great worship service. Verse 22. Moses led... uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 15, starting with 22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the desert to Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came tomorrow, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cries out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. I like stories with happy endings. The only problem is, before the happy ending came, was some very unhappy people. And that's what you and I need to realize. The the, the setting of discouragement is typically after successes in our spiritual journey. When you and I have our our periods of times, our seasons, when we are, are growing probably at our fastest rate... It's often shortly after that that the discouragement comes because God wants to teach us by not only filling us with his goodness, but letting a dry season happen so that that faith could be stretched and expand. Our faith is is to be connected with yesterday's successes and believing in the hope of God's successes coming tomorrow. If my faith is wrapped up in the moment, The moment I see disaster or trials or tragedies or hardships, our faith will dry up as fast as any kind of aspect in that faith. We're looking for a growth that's for the long haul, and that's really what we need to learn, how to uh, keep our focus upon God and not so much be wrapped up in the circumstances. 
Because when you begin to get into a little hole, that hole soon becomes a bigger hole. It's a matter of that perception about what is happening around us. It's not easy to get over the discouragement period as we journey on, and a lot of times it's, it's probably more challenging in discouragement when you've had moments where your faith has been strong. You can only imagine a couple success victory times in your life, God's doing great things, and then all of a sudden the surprise comes. And that's something you and I must uh, uh, reach for and continue to grow in, is to kind of develop a new approach to life that puts our confidence in God and is, is learning to be sensitive to the questionings that begin to rise up in our heart. We're wondering, God, why did you lead us out here to let us, in essence, die? That was a, a common concept as God led his people through the wilderness uh, for those 40 years, they're wondering, God, what are you doing? I mean, there's times when you're traveling and you know you took a wrong turn. There's other times you're traveling and you think you, you know you're on the right road, but it looks really bad. <laughs> and we continue to journey and uh, grow in that. A second thing that we want to consider is, uh, let's go back to Joshua chapter 7, and we'll read that whole verse again, chapter 7 and verse 7. Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. Joshua said, Oh, sovereign Lord, why? Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? His assumption was a setback means God has changed his agenda, which is not true. That'll bring discouragement. He goes on to say, If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Another way that obviously is going to bring uh, discouragement is to not only wrestle with the concept of what is God doing or why is God allowing these challenges or problems to happen, but also we find that uh, a, another common type of experience uh, when these things hit us is if only we had been content. In other words, the, 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 the cry of Joshua was, Lord, Let's just go to a safer plan here. We know that you promised a land of milk and honey, and we know that there's going to be many challenges that we're going to have to work through. Isn't faith a whole lot easier if you just stay away from any kind of conflict? And uh, maybe you've been through the, the challenges of attempting to share your faith at work, and somebody just kind of keeps giving you the cold shoulder or shuts you down or they start spreading rumors about you're one of those weird people. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that can cause you to say, you know what, life is a whole lot easier as a Christian if you just sit on the bench. I mean, you avoid conflict, you avoid opposition, you avoid getting your jersey dirty and all those kind of things. We all know in a sports kind of mode that uh, uh, typically if you just uh, play on the field in a safe place, in a comfortable place, no contact, you don't have anything to worry about. But that happens sometimes when we come into our, our Christian community is we might believe that what Jesus really meant about sharing your faith is to learn to be everybody's friend and just simply share your faith with likable, lovable people. It does sound 
like a good idea sometimes, and it certainly sounds like even a spiritual matter, where, uh, you know, Jesus really never ruffled any feathers, he never confronted people, and yet, if we're honest with Scripture, we realize that that's not quite the answer, but you've got to understand the thought process. When we're in a hole, and our faith is taking a dip, and challenges come, somehow all of the, the ideas that float in our head, and the voices that we hear, and the, 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 the presentations is that we are creating a world in which we are really going to give the cake and the butter and the ice cream to draw people to Jesus. And we need to try to understand that that's not always the strategy God had, and it's certainly one that reminds us in this particular setting, if we just be content with the ones that God simply brings to the other side of the Jordan, the problem is God says, this is where I want to take you. And it's true that uh, we're going to learn about next week about why in the world a missionary would go somewhere where, where he might get uh, end up in prison and those kind of situations. And uh, that's a whole different concept that we need to try to understand the leading and direction of God and his purpose and plan is so much bigger than simply trying to say, you know, if we just be content. And so discouragement can really come not only in choosing to step back from any kind of opposition or conflict, but knowing it's not the right answer while you try to justify it and rationalize it. But it's important to know that uh, when we live in a, a, an emphasis, a strong emphasis on being strong for God and doing that which is right and pleasing, that you're going to get misunderstood, you're going to get questioned, you're going to get challenged, and you and I need to, to understand what God is really teaching us or impressing upon us versus the voices that come because you're already in a hole and the hole's getting deeper and you're getting discouraged and knowing that this is not right. When uh, I think that probably um, some of the most discouraging times about sharing my faith is when I particularly remember an impression upon my heart that, yeah, I should go talk to somebody. And I knew they were in, in, in not such a very good, healthy position. And uh, when I got word that they had passed away, then it really hit me. Because I thought, you know, this might have been God. I clearly thought it was God. I, I, matter of fact, I still believe it's God. And you miss that opportunity because they're gone. You and I know people that uh, we've, we've desired to share our faith. We want to encourage them the importance of a relationship with God. And they might be your family members. They might be friends, co-workers. And then circumstances change and you don't have that opportunity anymore. There's all kinds of ways that you can have that in discouragement. A lot of times what I want to mention, you know, before I lose my train of thought there is that discouragement can be happening. You and I can be ending up in a, a spiritual hole and not even know it. And many times uh, that happens in such a subtle uh, fashion or format that you and I need to take to heart these kinds of principles and teachings that uh, God has preserved for us so that we might understand why we don't seem to have this enthusiasm for God. Because we're trying to talk about how you get that rebuilt, how you get it rekindled again, and sometimes there's an underlying discouragement that's sucking the life out of us or the, the spiritual fervor of God, and we may not know why. Sometimes it's because we have not shared our faith in a while. We haven't really shared in a sense of faithfulness 
to God as he impresses upon us. Why not just stay on the other side of the Jordan? Why couldn't we be content over there? Why can't I just live for the Lord myself and, and learn to be happy with my relationship with him? Well, you and I will have a kind of spiritual uh, discontent taking place and discouragement. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We'll just uh, jump across there. It's important to, to recognize that the Bible has taught us not only a kind of uh, diligence in doing the things that are right and honorable to God, but notice in verse uh, chapter 11, verse 6 in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Most of us are probably more familiar with the second half of that verse rather than the first half. It's important to know that when we please God, there's somewhat of a spiritual uh, connection taking place. We're aware of the fact that we have pleased God. And when that is not taking place, there becomes sort of a disconnection or the life or spark of our faith begins to diminish because you and I were created and designed and recreated in faith to be in connection, giving the, the things that God uh, wants to bless people with. He created us to be sharers of that faith, communicators of that, and you and I get our spiritual vibrancy quite often, not only in the personal, private world, but you and I get our vibrancy and worth or value by sharing that faith with others that God intends us to share. With, uh, we need to realize that faith is, is, is intended to be stretched, it's to be exercised, it's to be involved in risk-taking in sharing that. We please God by stretching out and saying, Lord, this one's yours. Okay? Uh, Joshua chapter 7. Let's go back there again. We're trying to figure out how to get out of the hole of discouragement. And some of us, we may be more aware of discouragement. Others, we may um, not be as attuned to it. But it's important to know that if we're our faith is not maintaining its vibrancy. It doesn't seem to have as much glow that sometimes it's because we're maybe starting to sink into a hole and we may not even be aware of what's going on. Chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. O oh Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country? They will hear about this. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? It's amazing how that uh, Joshua seems more concerned about God's reputation at this moment than he does his own. And that's classic of the fact that he is discouraged at a point where fear is now controlling his life. He is not so much at this point concerned about God's reputation. His concern is that his reputation, but he has a tendency to put that towards God. And that's something you and I need to realize is that discouragement shows up in all kinds of forms and dimensions and sizes. And one of the ways that you can begin to recognize that your discouragement is creeping in is the way we talk about God or present God or think about God. And we're wondering, is God able to defend himself? Well, we know the right answer obviously is 
he can defend himself. But the thing we're looking at here is fears. Uh, one way you begin to realize we're starting to sink in a hole is because the fears are now seemingly uh, filling our minds and our hearts, and we've got fears coming from one side or another. When fears begin to creep into our life, it's not just simply shoving out faith, but when fears come is they don't always make sense. They seemingly make sense to you and I when you're scared to death, but if you share some of those fears with others, you might have people just kind of like, wow. And we can get caught in that uh, mode of, 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 of sharing our fears, and they kind of get bigger and larger, and especially at nighttime. You know, they create lots of shadows. I think the, the thing that uh, is most beneficial to us is to, to share some of those with people that you love and trust that can pray for you and help you realize that, that not only those fears may or may not be totally valid, but what's important is that somehow we can see they're connected with the fact that we're sinking in a hole of discouragement. When you and I are experiencing discouragement, it's not very easy to maintain a strong confidence in God. Those fears will begin to uh, uh, do a tremendous number. So we see that uh, Joshua is communicating that fear, only it's transferred unto the terms of God. What are you going to do to protect your own great name? In essence, he's saying, I'm scared to death. We just lost the battle. We've gone too far into the promised land to go home, and we've got one long ways to go. The journey of faith, I, may, I think it's important to realize, is when you and I start walking and living for God, it's not always as easy as we think to just run, <laughs> because we started this aspect of faith, we start living it, we start benefiting from it, but that fear might cause us to want to go back. Uh, several, uh, numerous scriptures that we could look at pertaining to the fear is it's interesting that God's pattern of communicating a comfort in the midst of fear has a lot to do with remembering who you and I belong to, remembering who is going to always be with us, and remembering that as powerful as God is, He's also just as compassionate and loving and kind. And we can look at numerous uh, scriptures that touch upon that. Uh, but let me try to wrap this up by looking at uh, um, probably one of the most um, common things that happen when we're going through challenging times, we face uh, difficulties and setbacks and disappointments. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. We'll look at verses 10 and 11, and then we're going to have to wrap this up. The Lord said to Joshua, this is after he's on the ground, he's pouring his heart and crying out to God, stand up, what are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied. They put them into their own possessions. Probably one of the things that is most common when we experience those disappointing moments uh, in a relationship with our spiritual journey is the guilt that comes from a sin. Some of that uh, we may be well aware of, some of it we may not be able to pinpoint, but when somehow a relationship is not where it ought to be, particularly in our right standing with God, you and I feel it, or at least uh, uh, respond to that, in ways whether we are aware of it or not. 
um, guilt uh, many times is, is clearly and strongly felt, and other times it simply just messes up the wiring. It messes up the connection. It messes up the freedom. It's interesting when you look at Psalm 32, the way it is described in here. Please turn there, and then we will conclude with this. Psalm 32. We look at uh, verses 1 through 5. What's important is we consider the reality that if we're in a period of discouragement, we're at a low point in our life, the, the most precious thing we can do is to either invite God to help us understand, if I'm guilty, help me know what it is so that I can confess that. God's purpose is not to bring and create unnecessary guilt. It is to bring us to a place where we can confidently say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. And that's what that is all about, the way God is going to send his people back into AI, is they will deal with the situation, they will confess their part, and they will begin to go back into the battle once again. Uh, Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Father, I thank you that you are so gracious and loving and forgiving. And I pray, Lord God, particularly for any who may be going through a, a discouraging period in their lives when uh, their faith is not seemingly so strong because it just doesn't seem to work right now. It doesn't seem to create energy. It doesn't seem to give spark. It's simply just hard work to believe and to trust and to try anything for you. I pray, God, that you would enable us to identify uh, some of the things that pull us down. Most importantly, we, we, may we acknowledge the things that allow us to uh, receive and embrace a new kind of energy in our face. Give us the courage to listen to you speak into our hearts. Give us the confidence to believe that not only have you provided a means of rekindling our relationship with you, but give us the confidence to believe that even if it is sin, that you're a God who loves and is quick to forgive. We praise you, God, for your faithfulness upon us and around us, and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.